Episode 121 of the Winning Six Podcast, the official podcast behind com. I'm your host, side expert, Adam McGee. And joining me this time out is my fellow side expert, Ty Windish. I gave you the time out thing again. Yeah, you definitely did that one on purpose. Just because it's now kind of in my head. But have you seen have you seen the other guys? Yeah, I have. I only watched it recently. If uh if you said you didn't do it on purpose again, I would have felt like Will Ferrell's character when the the chief makes all those TLC references. Right. He's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That that would have been me. Yeah, I probably should have played it off that way anyway. But here we are. This is game six. This is win or stay home. As I yeah, I've been I've, I've I've stolen that from you by the way. I've used that a lot. Well, look, I think that's it is. I'm, I guarantee we'll hear some win or go home earlier, but it's win or stay home in this case. It's do or die. The Bucks must win to keep the season alive tonight as they take on the Raptors at 6pm in the Bradley Centre. I know there was some buzz about it on Twitter last night. As far as I know, still not sold out. Quite a lot of tickets haven't been sold. So, could make for a kind of, I don't know, a weird atmosphere if the Bucks don't start well. What I want to get into to begin with is, very simple question, you personally... What is it that you want to see from the books in game six? If you're if you're to put one thing, if this is either their gateway to a game seven or this is their last stand for the season, what is it you want to see from the books? Do you mean more like strategy or more like in like a, a rah-rah way or just anything? It can be either. It can be both. I mean, for me, this is something I wrote about a lot in the preview. Usually like I one section isn't that long, and I had to stop myself from making one section like six hundred words. Um, I, I don't want to see non-shooters on the floor with Giannis, and that's a difficult thing because Greg Monroe is a non-shooter, and Greg Monroe, like it's easy to say Greg Monroe's already not playing enough in this series, but when those two share the floor, the Bucks are basically splitting even with the Raptors. They have a net rating of minus point one, which is you know it's dead even. It, it's not. It's not like I'm out here saying, oh, they're getting killed. But the the Bucks can't afford to to break even with the Raptors when Giannis is on the floor. Meanwhile, when Giannis and Don are together, they outscore Toronto by 5.6 points per 100 possessions. I mean, you can look at the, the five-man lineups, too. The two most played Bucks lineups, it's the four of the same guys. Giannis, Snell, Middleton, and Brogdon. There's one with Monroe, and there's one with Thon. The Thon one is like plus 4.4, I think, per 100 possessions. The one with Monroe is minus 3.1. So that's like a seven and a half point shift for 100 possessions. And the Bucks just, like in this game where clearly the Raptors are, are finding their groove by going small, I don't think the Bucks can afford to play 
two guys who can't shoot at the same time for pretty much any meaningful minutes. And that that's that goes for the opposite too. I don't think Monroe should be out there with guys who can't shoot either. It's just with with the way the Raptors are playing with five guys who can shoot basically in their starting lineup now, trying to go even a little big against that just is not effective, I don't think. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely something to maximizing how you use your lineups, how you use the different skill sets in the lineup. I do think that's pretty extreme just because of how good Monroe has been and Yanis has had his struggles at times in the series and I'd worry that going that route is taking away from something that has reliably worked and going all in on kind of getting the ultimate Yanis game in game six and even with that Yanis and all shooters well it is great in theory but you're relying on guys hitting their shots who you know is not all that reliable that could be Delhi, that could be Toledovic that could be even even then even Don, who's shooting twenty two percent, I think, and, and has, listen, you hasn't really stretched the floor a lot in this series. I think it's worth saying compared to what we saw from him in the regular season, pick and pop yeah. hasn't been something he's gone to that often. Yeah, and you know, to to acknowledge what you said, you're right. It's certainly it's a risk. It's something we haven't seen the Bucks do probably enough all season, much less in the playoffs. But I mean, if there's one guy you want to roll the dice and say. You know, here, here's a shot. Here's a shot to do it all. It's Giannis. No one else has consistently stepped up. Giannis has had, I would say, one game that he kind of stunk, one okay game, and I would say three good games. I mean, even the last game when they got blown out, Giannis just kept going. And I think he had a really good game. Um, even though he started weak, that was one of my favorite parts of that game. Well, he bounced was, back big was, in game five. He bounced back huge. I mean, he started back, He started one for six and ended with, like, I think it's like seven or eight missed shots total after – missing five of his first six um that's it, it, it's just obviously he's the guy and if you want to roll the dice and put one guy in the best situation you can it's Giannis so I mean for this this is you know you've been talking about all all, all postseason this, these playoffs are gravy the Bucks weren't even expected to make it if this is house money I'm, I'm putting all the chips on Giannis and, and rolling the dice doing the roulette whatever gambling metaphor you want to go with I'm putting it all on Giannis and for that to work I think we should look at how has Giannis been the best, and I think unquestionably it's with four shooters around him. Even if you want to dust out Mirza, who hasn't been very good for some minutes, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, Jonathan Charks wrote about the Bucks should use Giannis at the five more because the two biggest adjustments we've seen are, I think, Amir Johnson uh, for the Celtics getting benched for Gerald Green and the, uh, the Raptors benching Jonas Valanciunas for Norman Powell. Both of those have been to go smaller Chark said the Bucks should go small and play Giannis at the five. I'm not opposed to seeing some Giannis at the five, but they don't really need to go quote-unquote small because even though he hasn't this series like we talked about, Thon can stretch the floor. And I'd rather have Thon on there than one of like Terry or extended, extended Delhi minutes. I'd, I'd rather roll the dice with Thon because of what he can add in rim protection too. Yeah, I just, uh, just before we started, I was reading a piece from Blake Murphy of Raptors Republic on kind of potential adjustments the books could look to tonight and his two things are center and one is start Monroe or the other is start Giannis at center and this is kind of I feel the wave of it from everywhere this sense of well let's go to Giannis at center I, I don't know about a lot of this even even the idea of limiting Monroe's minutes I think you might get an even better Giannis game but we have seen some really good Giannis games in this series, mixed with some that were a little bit below par. And even on those occasions, 
the books like game five, they came up a long way short because the best Giannis game wasn't enough because he didn't get help. And I, I just worry about what you're doing or how you're kind of, how you're setting yourself up. You could set yourself up for the game to be over very quickly. And it is kind of, you're right. And it has been my line all throughout. This is just kind of all a bonus at this point. And I mean, you've got to do something or you'd at least think you would to go kind of with a bold approach in a game six that you have to win or your season's over. I just don't know with a lot of these things. I, I think it kind of, I'll be honest, I do think it loses sight somewhat of the books had something really good going in this series with a lot of the same ideas they've run with. And although the Raptors have made adjustments, I think their adjustments have been grossly overrated. I, I think they've got a game from Norman Powell that is unsustainable. If Norman Powell drops 25 points again, I mean, to win this one, I'd hold my hands up and say, okay, well, if that's what does it, that's what does it. But also, we've seen better shooting, better mid-range shooting from DeRozan. It's, the books are kind of, for me, it's more about searching for ways to stop that performance. Because I think it's more about, not necessarily that the Raptors have completely turned the series on its head, but that the books have let some things slip in terms of how they were stopping them. Or maybe it, it could be as simple as, you know, they won game one, they won game three, and it became less the series that it might have been to begin with, where they were in and they were kind of going, okay, this is a team who historically beats us pretty badly. We have to find something to, to get past them and your game planning for them. I, I wonder, did it start to feel like if we go play our own game, we win, we're better than this team, and if that's backfired a little. <laughs> so, I I, I, mean, really, I really am unsure of what we're going to get out of this. My take on it is that we're not going to see any changes. We'll see the see, same sort of rotation, the same team. It will all run back, and whatever happens, happens. And if the Bucks win, I think the thing we'll be attributing it to was having the first rest day between any game in the series for either team and that coming at the right time to, I guess, slow down some Raptors momentum, allow the books to rest up and regroup. See, I, I, I agree with Norm Powell not being a 25-4-4-3 guy on 70, 100, 100 shooting. I, I don't think that's very sustainable. I do think the lineup switch is what's caused this Raptors run. There's certainly some some Bucks weirdness thrown in there, but having Serge play start at the five has removed Thon from being able to camp in the paint on defense, which means that rim protection that scared Kyle Lowry so bad in the first few games just isn't there anymore. He's he's not. He has to worry about Ibaka now. And that means, like, that right there obviously makes it harder for the Bucks to defend. Now you look at the system the Bucks run, which is just to swarm the ball all of, all of a sudden. Now if any Raptor gets loose for a second, they get the ball likely Thon isn't ready to contest the shot because he's worrying about Ibaka. The rim is just open. So I agree that Powell isn't actually that good. I think he's good. He's a good 3 and D player. I think he was just the beneficiary of a combination of the Bucks losing the ability to just have someone around the rim all the time because you don't really have to worry about Jonas Valanciunas stretching the floor and just their defense being susceptible to just losing someone for a second. And I think those momentary lapses were covered in the first games because you'd have Thon or even Monroe who can't block shots but he'll like take a charge or whatever around the rim just in case someone gets loose. 
those guys aren't there anymore a lot. They have to go worry about Serge Ibaka, who, even though he hasn't played fantastic, especially in the middle part of the series, you know, you can't just leave him open. He'll, he'll make shots if you, except for that one game, he somehow missed like five. But usually he'll, he'll make shots. I think that's really been the biggest part of it. I think Norm Powell has kind of lucked into being the guy the Bucks lost the most this last game. I mean, a lot of those dunks, he just got them. And, you know, if he is half a step around Middleton, he's gone. There's no one there to help. It's, it's a dunk. Um, I think that's really been the biggest change. And I think, like, the adjustments we're seeing this postseason all around the NBA, I think are very much worth noting. Teams are going smaller, and it's doing huge things. I mean, you can say the Bulls lost Rondo, and that threw them off hard. And that, that certainly is true. But I think the Celtics were smart to make the adjustment they did. I'm worried about the power forward position in general going forward. I just – and then just – I don't know. It just seems like the teams that are, be, are able to go small are having a lot of success. And as someone who has ragged on Dwayne Casey a lot, I think this was quietly a masterstroke. I don't know if it makes up for not playing Norm Powell in game two at all. But I think it was the right decision to, to get rid of Jonas in the starting lineup. Yeah, I, I'm not underselling the importance of the – the adjustment but i just think it's getting more credit than it necessarily deserves and that's both celtics is definitely a series that applies to because like the adjustment may not matter if rondo's healthy and the bulls could just keep going as they were going so you never even really in that series get a chance to know well what does the adjustment look like if rondo's still there how does that match up in this case i definitely think look norpel helps them I think he's a good player. I couldn't understand all season why, why he was buried in the back of the rotation. But there's just there's a lot more to it than that. You can argue that he is creating more opportunities for, say, Damari Carroll to go and have 11 points and 5 rebounds like he had the other night. But I don't think that's solely it. I think the books have allowed those players, they've allowed the Raptors to get a little bit more of a run. And I just think the focus, the mentality of the series has shifted. It is, it has become kind of. I, I think it's become a kind of okay. Well, you take your run, we'll take our run, and we believe we're good enough to win out. And I think that is that is fair. I think the books are good enough. We've said it all series. They've proven that they're just as good as this team, possibly better. But at the end of the day, this is a playoff series, and. You know, you've got to go with a strategy you had from day one. And I, I, in a way, I think kind of this, the air of invincibility that the books might have viewed the Raptors with going into this series or just knowing they'd struggled in the past, it might have had them ultra-focused and really on their game like they haven't been quite at it since. I've just seen here while we're recording Eric Kareen, um, the Raptors beat writer, he's just tweeted out, the score through the first five games, the combined score. Do you know what the margin is between the two teams through the five? The, bu- the Bucks are probably up. The Bucks are not up. The score through five games is Raptors four seventy one, Bucks four seventy. Okay, so almost. So it's we're talking. It's basically so if, it's if, if Toronto through wins five by, games. Yeah, if Toronto wins by twenty three instead of twenty five in this last game, the Bucks are up. Um, can I share one more thing about my Monroe Thon stuff before we move on to something else? Yeah. I just looked up the Bucks two-man lineup net ratings to the last two games. And obviously they got blitzed in game five, so none of these are good. Giannis and Thon together have a minus 9.7 net rating in the last two games in 47 minutes. In 37 minutes of Giannis Moose, the Bucks have been blitzed by 41.3 points per 100 possessions. 
The only one I see here worse is Giannis Deli, and I'm pretty sure Deli and Monroe were probably together for a lot of those minutes. Look, it's small. Every, every sample size in the playoffs is small, but it's just, I, I, just, I just don't think it's going to work playing two guys who can't shoot against a lineup of five guys who can shoot, even if it's just four if Valentunas is out there. I just don't think – like, and it sucks because, look, if, if Monroe and Giannis don't play at the same time, then they have to split up 48 minutes. Which is tough, you know. Monroe's not going to get twenty-four minutes in that situation because if if kid plays Giannis twenty-four well, minutes, they'll be fired. In that situation, let's be real. In a game six, if even Giannis could play forty-four minutes tonight, I just don't think. Like I, I don't completely disagree with your reasoning, but I just don't think it's feasible considering the I, impact I just, Monroe has and their other options. They're not playing town forty minutes. No, you can play Giannis at center some minutes. I just again, I just. Don't think we see that. That's just like, like such a bold move, something kid hasn't gone to very often. It's I mean, not yeah, it's, really it's his bold. style to just break it out with everything on the line to move away from something that's more tried and tested. And this tried and tested to get him blown out and to win games one and three against a different team, though. Like if if the other that's, team adjusts, no, but that's, you have to that's saying something like. That's like going with the reasoning that Valanciunas was playing like big minutes in those games. He wasn't. Valanciunas was like 18 to 22 minutes, I think, in games one and three. There were plenty of looks with Ibaka at the five where both Tan and Monroe would have had opportunities to play against that. Like, it's not... Norm Powell is the one thing who was just completely out of the rotation early on. Didn't play, I want to say, the first two games. I think he played a little in game Maybe one. Maybe game two. Oh, I don't know. But... It's not like Valanciunas has been logging these big minutes. He's been kind of a peripheral figure from the start. That was something early in the series that I, I wrote about on multiple occasions was, look, the opportunity is still there for them to use Valanciunas effectively. In the end, the adjustment they made was, okay, well, let's go away from him completely and just utilize who we are without him, which that's fine. That's worked well. I don't think it's just like those two things can't work. One thing I would say with Monroe and with Yanis. I think they need Yanis to be a more decisive distributor, and I think to help with that, they need Monroe to come to the elbow and make more effective elbow passes. They need guys cutting. They've they've talked about this recently. Guys yeah, they don't they cutting. don't move. They're not moving. Like a big part of that, and something that really helps the books in that sense is Monroe's passing from the elbow. So I don't know. I I think there's a tough balance there. You're right. Maybe some of those things work, but. I don't think we see it, and I just think maybe there are some things that they should have tried out a little bit sooner, and to me, Jason Kidd just isn't that coach where he's going to, at this point, he'll do it any regular season game, he's not happy, we've seen this, he'll turn the table over, put out some lineup none of us had ever thought of, and go again. I think he trusts what this group has done, and he'll run it back one more time. I didn't think Dwayne Casey would, would bench Valentinus for Norm Powell, either, for what it's worth. And on Valentinus, his minutes have stayed consistent throughout the series. But something I noted uh, before game four, maybe, somewhere along the line, is that typically whoever's won the first quarter has won the, the, the game. I think four of the games, that's the case. Three or four. Um, it's just been it's been hard for either team to come back on, on the other one. The Bucks, obviously, in their blowout win, never let the Raptors come close. The Raptors in this last win never let the Bucks come close. And even the close games, it's mostly been one team just holds a lead and just carries it all the way. Having Valentinus not come in until later 
has let the Raptors take the tone early in these last two games and win them both. And him playing against bench units allows them to cover a lot of his flaws because they're just not as good players on the other end. In the first three games, he shot 40%, 40%, 33%. Game one, the Raps were outscored by 14 with him. Game two, they outscored the Bucks by just one. And game three, they were outscored by 12 with him. These last two games, he shot 100% in game four, 60% in game five. And they outscored the Bucks by 11 in four and by 15 in game five. He's been better because he has been played against worse players. And I, I just, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy idea to play Greg Monroe, you know, I don't know, it'd probably be like t- 10 minutes would be reasonable. Let Giannis take a little longer rest. Let Monroe go all out for 10 to 12 minutes. I just think, like, honestly, I, I just don't think that the trotting out the same lineup is going to work against this completely different look team. I think that, that that's fine and that's fair, but the difference is, and you said you wouldn't have thought Dwayne Casey would bench Valanciunas for Norm Powell. Um, he was in a position where he couldn't afford to try out the same lineup and not have it work because everything the Raptors have invested in this season and this run, his job will be on the line. Kyle Lowry's future in Toronto will be on the line. Jason Kidd doesn't have any of that. And and rightfully so. This shouldn't be a, you know, let's do something drastic to kind of to win this game at all costs. A lot of fans are going to feel that way, and I can already sense an angry reaction if we see the same thing and they lose badly tonight. I mean, what are, honestly, what are we really expecting if the Bucks come through this series in seven and go on to play the Cavs in round two? Like, if the Raptors could make the necessary defensive adjustments for the Bucks, even with all of their defensive problems right now, I, I have no doubt that the Cavaliers could get it right. I mean, what, yeah. I mean, look, the, the Cavs probably win. What are we expecting? What have the books got so mortgaged on this year? Nothing is the answer, and that's why I think he will run true with what he has and who he believes in. And I, I, I think there is an element of that which is more important. It's more important that Greg Monroe has done a lot to get you to this point in this season, and you let him go out and try to win you that game. It's important that Tom still gets his opportunity because he's come up in a big way. Like I, I am at this point with this book's team a bigger believer in these guys really had to do something to get you back to this point. And it's not about this year, but it's about that next year, if you're back there, they know they have your trust as a coach, but they also know they've been through it, they have the reps. The books could make a big adjustment and turn a series around. I just don't know what the point of that is they would get so much more out of it winning in the shape that they are i'm not for one moment saying that's good coaching it's not necessarily good coaching but i I think there's something more important which a lot of people aren't going to want to think of or see now is this series shouldn't be coached at this point to just win the series this is about building building belief building kind of experience knowing that these guys know what to do in that situation. And again, right, Greg Monroe isn't an inexperienced, but we've talked a lot. It's on every broadcast. This is his first time doing this. Get all of these guys the reps, because if they're back next year, you want them to be able to do it. I'm maybe too pragmatic about it, but that's really where I'm at. I think it's just it's a different place. I would be a little bit disappointed if we saw some really kind of stark, outright adjustments to try and win this game. Because they could still lose, and then you're left in a spot where you're like, okay, well, what did what did the guys really gain from that must-win game for next year's experience? 
listen, forget about next year. What, what do they gain for the next five years? I don't look. Right, I yeah, love Greg Monroe. Fun. I love Greg Monroe, and you know this. You know how I feel about Greg Monroe. He could be gone in a couple months. Giannis just signed a hundred million dollar extension. He's the future of the franchise. Thon is on the first year of his rookie deal, so the Bucks could have him for like eight more years at least. And he's looking like he's going to be a future cornerstone as well. If I want to put the keys in someone's hands, it's not Greg Monroe. It's not the guy who, uh, listen, it hasn't started all year. And again, huge Greg Monroe fan here. I'm a huge fan of Greg Monroe. He plays at a position that's very difficult to to play these days, especially when your best player is someone who can't shoot and needs the ball in his hands, and that's Giannis. And I think that, that the adjustment of playing only shooters around Giannis gives them the best chance to win this series. And again, like if... If you're not really trying to win this series, I don't. I don't think as a coach, I, I don't. I, I just don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say if you're not trying to win this series. Just you're you're here. You're here. If you're here, you, you yeah, try to win. But I I think it is still the case of. I I think they can win with what they were doing. It's it's more I mean, maybe they can. It's more dependent on focus to me than anything else, and it's also reliant on. The Raptors struggling. Like this is lost in here somewhere. I think along the way, because we've seen the Bucks beat this team twice, we saw the Bucks like in position to take command of this series. Everyone has forgotten that. Like, I mean, the Raptors are the tree seed. They're not the best team, but this is a very good team, and they're a better team than the Bucks right now. As in, they're more fully formed. Talent-wise, the Bucks can take them, but just in where they're at and where they are at at this point. It is a different thing. Losing to the Raptors in six or seven, there's no real shame in that. I, I, I think you can win. You just need to make the adjustments you have. I think that's not also undersell. I just, Greg Monroe is influencing these games. Yeah, he is. I agree with you. He, he may be the best, second best book in this series in terms of consistency of I would say sec- I would say second best but... performance but he's in that conversation like he's right up yeah, at the top he's, in terms yeah, of performance. I'm sure I, I agree with you here's my question to you who has a better chance of winning you this game Greg Monroe or Giannis Antetokounmpo I, th- I think it's obvious and yeah. I think I want the ball in that guy's hands I, I just don't think it has to be either or I, I understand your argument but I just I don't really see what the books have to benefit from going that extreme. I do at this point think Greg Monroe has a role with his team next year and be. I also do. I do as well. I just like he in has crunch more time. Role, more of a role likely than Mirza Toledovic, who you could end up having out in these Giannis lineups, than who knows, possibly Matthew Delvadova. Well, I mean, you could you could say that about John Henson might have more of a role too because he's locked has, up, right? But definitely has more of a role. But you're not going to play him. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about contracts and being locked up. I'm talking about what we've seen. He's going to have more of a role than Jason Terry, who's 39 years of age. So I just feel like that lineup is going to send you in the direction of a lot of pieces that are more uncertain for your future. There, obviously, there are other parts too. I mean, you're going to have Brogdon, Snell, Middleton, Ton, Daryl pieces i think the books at this point would like to have around for the next few years yeah i agree i think there is a balance to both i just think you're leaving one kind of one piece out who monroe has had success against ibaka he's had success against valentunas so there is a way for him to find his i know your argument is just well i'm just more concerned with the floor in a way that's gonna get the best out of Giannis. yeah it's fine yeah 
I, I just like I, I, I've really like this is something I thought a lot about before I wrote it or before I said it because I've been a Greg Monroe fan all season. He's been tremendous. His effort level has been great. At one point, he kept the Bucks. I think it was like game four. He kept the Bucks in that game and it looked like they had lost. I just think you got to figure out a way to not play him with Giannis for more than a couple minutes, if any. I just don't think that lineup is going to work against a team going small. I mean, that's I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. Play more Tom, play less Monroe. But I think you've still got to get Monroe twenty minutes. I don't think you you can't do just. What no, if you just Monroe gave him fifteen hustle minutes? Just say, look, you sit him down before the game. Say, listen, you, you you've, you've done a lot for this hustle. team. Without Greg Monroe, the books don't get to ninety points, and they need the Raptors to lay an egg to have a chance of winning the game. That's simple. Where I think they might still need them to lay an egg to win the game with both of them. So I just that's the place I'm at. Let's. Let's not, like, if we're talking that route, we need Yanis to go for 40, you might need Middleton to get 20, and still to cobble something together, together from other guys. The Bucks need at least 10 to 15 points from Monroe, because he is normally one of the guys they're cobbling together their points from. There's just not enough there. It's also, let's, let's be real, if it happens again, incredible, and that would be so, so important. It's getting to the point where, like, Tony Snell making four to five trees in a game... I feel like that run is going to run out soon. Yeah, if it keeps gone. going, he's earning that contract. I mean, he's already He already has. Crazy. He already has. I mean, listen, that any of this mattering to be and we have had a long discussion about it. And I just just to just to end that, I just want to say like I I do think it's important to take consideration of future assets and everything. I just weighed that all against like who do I want to put the keys in? Who do I want to make the happiest? And that's Giannis. I mean, it's like like the Knicks right now. It's not really the same at all, but like the Knicks' only goal should be, please, Kristaps, love us and never leave. And that's that's how I look. I think Giannis is the most important singular entity to the Bucks, and that's how it should be looked at. But I think I think we've I think we both laid out our arguments very well and our cases. I don't even say arguments, just our cases and our, our beliefs on that. Um, either way, going with whatever going with whatever strategy both of us put up, the Bucks need more from their perimeter players because right now there's three guys I think hitting 40% and at least one three per game. It's Deli, uh, Snelly, and... Uh, I'd guess I can't... Brogdon went five for seven. Yeah, well, yeah, it's Brogdon. It's Brogdon. Yeah, it's Brogdon, who's had yeah, really one really good game. Middleton's been bad, and he's clearly he's clearly sick slash a little slow. He, he was at the end of the regular season, too. Um, Don hasn't been hitting threes. I think Giannis is actually near the top of the Bucks right now because he's hit a couple threes. Sound right, yeah. Um, they they need more from perimeter players not named Snell and Delhi. And if I mean if they get that performance from Brogdon again, and they get a good Snell performance, maybe those two can carry the perimeter guys. But they're gonna need to play 36 minutes plus for that to happen. That really the one that's disappointed me is Terry. I'd hope for more from Terry. He hasn't had a three yet. Yeah, uh, Jed has struggled. I'd... I I I just think the 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 miles caught up. They did, and I just don't know how much we ever really should have expected from in that capacity. I, I still think, obviously, Jets, Jets' voice is probably more important than anyone not named Kid at the moment in, in the locker room, on the bench. But yeah, they, they considering how much they got out of him and how surprising it was in the regular season, some more of that would have been nice. Yeah. My, my thing for this game, and it is a little bit more of the, I guess, rah-rah element, as you, you described, to begin with, I just want to see them get close. Just don't get blown out. This is a game you have to win. I don't care what lineup is out there, how you get to the point, but let's get to a point where you have shots 
to be right there at the end of this game. I don't care if you miss them. I don't care who takes them. But let's just... This is, to me, like... I, I feel we've already learned a lot of the individual points. And I don't feel the books are this team, and this includes Giannis, that need to kind of feel one guy's going to take you there. I think they need to feel as a team that they can stand up, they can go right toe-to-toe, and if they lose, they lose, and that's the season over. And let's be honest, it's been a very good season, all things considered. But I just I just want to see them there. I really want to see them there. I want three minutes to go. If they're ahead by 20, that's obviously the perfect kind of reality to to come about if they're down by six and they're in position that they're going to make a run and they're going to stick there they're not going to fall away well i'm just as okay with that but this is this is a team who as we've mentioned lots of times are tried and tested that they're playing against they now must be feeling confident no matter what they throw at you in this game you're on home court don't get embarrassed Show something about yourself from a character perspective. Whether you play well or you play poorly, just find a way to be in the game when it comes to clutch time. Give yourself a chance. That's all I really want to see. I just want to know these guys can do that. That the the kind of pressure of this game or the any I don't I don't want anything overly complicated to be in their head about, well, we need to game plan in this specific way. It just needs to be play desperate on every possession that's what i want to see i'm not saying that's enough to win the game and that's that's a very very simplified version of what this is but with everything else they do they just need to make sure they can be in the game if they're in the game i think i'll be happy whatever the outcome is we'll say okay that was a series they won two games they lost two games that they really had chances to win and even when it mattered they were right there and I'd come out of that very happy. That's a very successful playoff series. I'll go even a lower floor. As long as we see, like last game, Giannis just keep on fighting. I think that was huge for me because the last time they were in the playoffs, obviously it ended with Giannis just letting his emotions get the best of him, decking Mike Dunleavy and basically checking himself out of it, the game in the series. And you, you kind of recoiled when I said that. Yeah, I hate listen, that. Listen. It's, well, it's a I, different player, though, Ty. It is a different player to that time. Like, he can't be – he's a different person. He's so much more mature. He views himself I know, as a leader. I know. But listen, like, you don't know that until you see it. You hope for that. You assume that. But we hadn't seen Giannis get blown out in the, in the postseason this year yet, luckily. And I say that just because, you know, I'm a little worried that there might be three guys on the Bucks who play well. Whereas the Raptors are getting positive contributions from like seven guys. And it's just, even if Monroe and Giannis are, and probably Snell, maybe a little Brogdon are, are great. Like if everyone else thinks, I just, they need a more complete team effort. That's what we saw in the blowout game. What did Giannis score? Like 19 points? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they won by 20 or 30 or whatever. A lot. A lot, a lot of points. Right. Well, that, that's, what, that's what the Bucks need in this game. They I, don't need. I agree. They, with they, that need, they need Giannis to play well, but they need everyone to play a little well. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Just the, the way you were putting that as about Giannis, that would. Like, if this is the Giannis game and he goes and scores 40 points and the books get blown out because no one else shows up, that would be concerning for me. I don't, I don't need to learn something about Giannis at this point. I want to know what else is on this team and what they have kind of collectively in terms of showing some sort of metal, showing some sort of just i guess unity and pride in themselves so i I, that was that was the only reason i was recording because if 
I have no doubt at this point. I know you're saying you have to see it to, for it to be real, but yeah, Yanis is gonna go right until the end tonight. He's going to show pride. I I fully believe that already. I do too. I, just I, I like everyone else go with him. Everyone, it doesn't I like... matter if they're zero for twelve. I want to see guys take the shot when they're over twelve, or be just as locked in on defense. That's what this game is about for me. Is just you're going to give it everything. It's not going to be you know we're not playing well or I'm off tonight. Let's roll it up, quit, and we're going on vacation. That's the thing for me. Is no matter how you're playing individually, I I really just want to see the team come together and find a way to be in the game. Yeah, I mean, look, I would love to see that. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see Giannis. If Giannis puts up 60 and everyone else combines for 20 and they get blown out, I'm not that happy. I mean, Giannis scoring 60 would be incredible. But I saw, I'd i much rather see a close game where everyone plays well because it, it gives you more hope for the immediate future. That's just like after the disappointments in the last two games, my floor is just I'm making it very low. I'm making it a low bar so I can eke over it. The Bucks can eke over it. No, I get that. But uh, my only... I guess my only reason for like being just wary of the idea of let's say Yanis did score sixty, that'd be incredible. Yanis scores sixty, they lose by twenty. I don't think I'm gonna take any joy in the career high Yanis sixty points in game six. And I know Book's Twitter would probably take more joy in that than any loss. But really what that screams to me is like, okay, Yanis is a superstar and right now the books are the books are LeBron's calves the first time around, where he had to leave and go to Miami to win a championship. Uh, let's not get crazy, but listen, if I have to pick a loss, I'm picking the one where Giannis does really well. I no, I just I need to see that this team has something. The books well, aren't what, what, uh, they're what not in a position more... that's so flexible that they can just flip everything straight away. Like there are pieces that they need to be good for whatever this journey that Giannis is going to bring the team on is going to be. So I mean, I, listen, John John Hammond's a wizard. They gave away Miles Plumley for nothing. They, they I, I, apparently they can just flip stuff away. I'm waiting for the protected second round pick for Henson this summer. I, I just we can't spend most of the season. I don't know how many takeaways or grades like between us we would have done where we've written this and how many other guys have edited and it carries into the playoffs where we're like Yanis was great and he had no help until that starts to get a little concerning because coming into a summer where the books could pay. Monroe and Snell, who've been very good contributors, quite a lot of money to stick around. I just need to know at this point that everyone else can be something. So to me, that would that would matter more. I, I'm not going to be surprised. I know Yanis can do that. He'll do that at some point. He can do that in a, a series two years from now where they win and clinch to get to the conference finals. I need to learn something I don't currently know. And... Unfortunately, that is, well, what is this team and how do they pull together as a group? I'm actually quietly against re-upping everyone and keeping them. I think if you look at the very best teams in the NBA, which is obviously the Cavaliers and the Warriors, they tend to really pay a lot for their best couple players and then just fill in the blanks, and that's been very, very successful for them. Right. The books are not and- that level yet, though. I don't they're think not, they, they're, they're not, not going to get the I guys mean, to get, take those dude. deals yet to play with Giannis, maybe not, not in the future. Yet. But. Not yet, but I mean, you can get, like, I, I just think, like, I don't I don't want to have look at the cap sheet, and it's like Delhi for three years, Mirza for three years, Snell for four years, Monroe for four years, and they're all making huge money, and then you lose all your flexibility. Henson's still on there. That's, like, where the Trailblazers are. And they got super lucky, and they got Yusuf Nurkic in a really nice trade. 
But like, I, I just, I don't like that inflexibility. I'm a little worried about that. I'd much rather just really worry about the bigger guys and try to do stop gaps in between. And look, I, yeah, but maybe, I, I think maybe Monroe. That lowers, I think that lowers your your ceiling right now, but I think it raises it in the future. Monroe and Snell could be among the bigger guys, not the star guys, but the tier below that. If you want to use the Cavs as your example, right? The Cavs, their biggest money is going to LeBron. Then you've got Irving and Love, but then you've got your Tristan Thompson, your J.R. Smith, guys who they will give decent money and a significant length of contract to because they're important. Like yeah, Monroe not, and Snell could. Monroe and Snell could be the equivalent to those guys right now. They could. The problem is you also have Delhi and Mirza. Yeah. And so Henson. that's more of and the those problem. Are, right those, now. those are issues. Yeah. Yeah. So look, if you could flip some of those contracts and keep the Snell and Monroe, I would not be opposed to it. I just don't want the Bucks to go forward like we have these ten guys who we're gonna pay luxury tax for, and this is our core. Like, you don't need ten guys. You don't need ten guys who make a lot of money. You just don't. Like they don't even play. Ten guys is too big for a playoff rotation. You need like five to seven guys who are like really like these are our core guys. Yeah, I agree. You see what I'm I, I think this is kind of we won't go much further on this one because it's a discussion for another day. But yeah, yeah, this is off season stuff. I think I I would say they have to be wary of say not paying Monroe or Snell because of what they've paid Delhi, Toledovich, or Henson. It's like, well, yeah. if you think Monroe and Snell are the two guys that you should be paying and have around the next few years, pay them now, and then you spend the rest of your summer and throughout next season focused on moving those other guys who you made mistakes on. But don't pass yeah. up on guys who you think could be really important for you longer term because of mistakes you've already made. I think yeah. they're on that because, look, as you alluded to earlier, John Hammond has shown a willingness and an ability to kind of say, okay, that was a mistake, let's move on. So can I, I, that's the important thing I'm going to now for me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, actually. Can I ask you a question? I know we're yeah. getting near time, but can I ask you a question about this game? Yeah. Do you think Chris Middleton needs to alter his shot selection? I hate 90% of the shots it feels like that Chris Middleton takes. And he's he's not shooting any threes. That's really that's really what I don't like. Don't he's bothers, taking it bothers me more. He's not getting to the rim at all. He's not a player who drives to the rim often. He's taking the worst shots. But he's not he's not doing it at all. He's settling, which to me is just he's not right. That's that's all I can. Take I, I don't this. I don't think so either. But I don't think that that means you should make life even harder. Like he's taking thirteen shots, and less than three of them are coming from three. Yeah, but it's. And I, I, I look. Tougher, I don't I don't know if I have shots. the numbers. Here. They are tougher shots, and that's. That's 100% correct, and we'd all say that. But it's not like these aren't shots that Middleton, at his best, can hit. He wouldn't take them this often, but he can hit them. I I feel like he is settling into something that, for all of us, we're going, that is such an inefficient shot. Why would you take that? But for him, kind of muscle memory-wise, it must feel like something of a comfort zone. To me, this is just, there's, there's something still kind of off with Middleton right now, and that's okay, because... yeah. As I mentioned um, on the post-game podcast from Game 5 with Joe, there was a time in this season where we were all like, well, is there really any point in him coming back this year? Would they not just shut him down and see? Like, if he's still feeling the effects, but he's able to be out there and just kind of work that rust off now so that he's firing all cylinders to start next season. I mean, that is, that's great. That's the most important thing. But it just right now doesn't look great. And... The not being a shoot around yesterday because of this sore throat that played them going into to game five. 
on top of anything that may still be kind of working its way out in terms of the body getting to where he wants it or where he feels fully comfortable, he's very obviously under the weather too. So, look, the Middleton shots, there's a lot of awful shots, but... Yeah, the I have the numbers, just 9% coming between the rim and three feet. But you look at other guys, like Malcolm Brogdon, 15%. Snell, just 7%. That's because 75% of his come from three. Um, Middleton is taking 27% of his shots from 10 to 16 feet, that mid-range, and 18% from 16 feet and deeper. I think both of those marks lead the Bucks, except for Rashad Vaughn, which is garbage minutes. Uh, he's taking more uh, bad shots than anyone. Um, Giannis is taking more threes than shots from 10 to 16 feet. Middleton is taking more shots from 10 to 16 feet than threes. I find it's that just, it's just bad. I find that interesting because I said this after the last two games, the losses. I feel the books have started to mirror the Raptors' style of play for God knows what, what kind of reason. But I feel offensively, um, you're having these stretches, even when the Raptors go cold, where the books are just doing the same thing they're playing raptors basketball on offense like they've been lulled into this yeah they don't they don't pass they take these ugly mid-range shots right that's that to me is a big part of it and that's like those numbers in terms of uh, frequency of attempts for different spots of the floor they're demar Derozan kind of breakdowns you're talking about yeah except the difference is demar Derozan's been doing that his whole life and that's his game right but that's it does feel like for whatever reason the books have been drawn into this series where they feel, oh yeah, we'll just fire back at the same kind of offense, which is very strange to me. I'm, it's yeah. I'm not well, expecting there's... Middleton to to bounce back and completely change his shot type tonight because I think there's more to it than just him deciding I'm gonna take this shot. This is a bad shot. Like books fans have been watching Middleton a long time at this point. If you don't feel something's off, and I'm not even saying with his game, but with his decision making, Chris Middleton yeah. is not a his not turnovers a... have been. Yeah, but he's a, he's a generally like throughout his time with the books he's an efficient he's a smart player all around oh yeah he hasn't just suddenly forgotten how to make good decisions he's just not kind of putting it together right now i think there's got to be more to that so i mean I, what is i expect another pretty average middleton game if we get a good one well that could be the difference but i expect an average to bad middleton game and books twitter to be up in arms about it but Look, here we are. I mean, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. What, what is your prediction for game six? Are we going to be doing this again? I said bucks by one. Bucks by one. Right. I believe. I'm a believer. I know you're not. No, I'm going Raptors by eight. I have I have two quick hits. Can I do, you want me to wait or should I do them now? Well, I'll just, just on my prediction, I'll say is. Okay. I, I think it's time. I fully, that's, that's my feeling at this point is this is done. Again, Raptors by eight is perfectly fine by me if the books are there till the end and it kind of, you know, that's free throws inflating the score at the end. That's that's fine by me. I would settle for that. I just feel inside that they kind of, once those two games back-to-back were run off for the Raptors, that's really hurt the books. We'll see. Probably because I think that and I'm ready for it and I kind of feel like, oh yeah, we're going to be covering <laughs> off-season stuff in a couple of days. They'll come back with a roaring win and we'll be looking at game seven. But I'm not in the place I was maybe a week ago. My my right Now I have three things. My first thing is that we were saying the series was done after game three, two, remember? The Bucks could be at three up, three, up 3-0 right now. Right. The, the, the Raptors are dead. It's over. 
Now we're in a completely different place. It could shift back it's just as easily. It's the books. Even I mean, this year, like I wrote about in my, the last slide of my preview on my my Scott Van Pelt stuff. Like this is the year of comebacks. Patriots were down twenty eight to three. The Warriors came back from a three one lead and then blew a three one lead. Like anything can happen. The Cubs won a World Series. It'd been like a hundred and some years. The Cubs won a World Series. They came back. They bounced back after um, uh, a century. Adam, anything can happen this year. Um, my second hit, what if Monroe and Giannis only play together when Valanciunas is on the floor? Is that a compromise we can make? Yeah, I'm fine with that. That, that means you're probably going to get 25 Monroe minutes. Yeah, yeah, because that's what Valanciunas is playing. Okay, I maybe. I don't know. I'm, mm, I'm still not sold. Um, what was my third hit? Oh, no, I might have forgot my third hit. I had three things. I forgot it. I hope it wasn't, like, amazing. You had two before I did my thing. Was it related? No, but then no. One of them was one of them was the the comebacks thing. I added that after you did your thing. I mean, maybe it was. No, no, it's gone. What it's really gone. Climax. This doesn't feel like the way the series is going at all. Just the way this podcast has ended, does it? It absolutely does. Then, it, if it was truly accurate right now, I would remember my my thing. But I don't. I don't this think it's going to It's not coming back to you, Ty. If that's. I'm not bouncing for what's going to happen tonight. Um, oh no, came up short. That is it for us for this pregame podcast. We will be back later today, post game. You'll find out probably late this evening on Twitter, on whatever podcast feed of choice you use, and on Behind the Book Pass tomorrow being Saturday, right? Today's. No, Friday. Oh, Friday. No, today's Thursday. Yeah. I don't know what days are anymore. This is, this is I think, why <laughs> I think they're going to lose. I'm ready. Yeah, um, you just want them to. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> um, in the meantime, check out all of our work at BehindTheBookPass.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BehindTheBooks. We will again have a pregame show, which I believe Ty is going to jump on with Rowan Cathy later. I, I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. Um, probably because I said it, that won't happen now. Uh, a halftime show maybe if Rowan goes that way again and we'll have the live tweet of the game as usual subscribe to us on iTunes follow us on SoundCloud add us on Stitcher and we'll talk to you again very soon thanks for listening thank you Ty thank you Adam